This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey there, Jess. Hello, how are you, Elsie? Oh, just peachy. I hear you're eating nuts. <laughs> I am a big bag of nuts. Oh, nuts are yum. I what kind of nuts are you having? I'm allowed to eat. Um, big bag of salty nuts. It's um, filberts, <laughs> almonds, walnut, cashews. That's it. No peanut. Because Kate told me peanuts have an angry energy. Oh, that's Kate right. Oh, my God. Time. That was the funniest thing. <laughs> that was you funny. Like, now you said that you will never be able to look at peanuts again without Well, I'll be honest with you. Like, when I have... Not to get... I'm already off topic. But, like, now... <laughs> we just started. We're already off topic. When I eat nuts before bed, if I eat peanuts, I will almost inevitably wake up choking on them. Oh, Whereas, like, other nuts, if I eat nuts before bed, that like, almonds are fine. Uh-huh. But peanuts, they are angry. Yes, because almonds are the calming, soothing, meditative sort. Yeah, they're like, yes. I don't know. Peanuts just go, they just come in and F shit up, I guess. <laughs> Interesting how I chose the F. I know, right? Oh my God, especially with all the nuts and the salt and stuff. But yeah, I love, I love my almonds. Almonds are my happy, my happy nut. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Um, so, you know, I found this article, this was shared uh, by one of my friends who knows like my stance on, on voice. Like we've had in-depth conversations about women's voice and speaking up and all that stuff. Because as we have often spoken about in this podcast, I have a little bit of uh, trouble sometimes speaking my mind in, you know, standing up for myself, if you will. That like, that's just something that's, that's something I, that always arises and I'm getting much better at it, but I'm at least a huge advocate for it now before I would just like shudder into the corner and cry and, you know, all that fun stuff. <laughs> but yeah. this, um, article is from the New York times and it's called learning to love criticism. And I think this really aligns with, you know, one of our other episodes that we put out about negative feedback, which was episode number 17. And, and I know that there are a lot of people, the fat shaming episode, which we talked a lot about negative feedback and, and dealing with it. But this is, is really intriguing. I'm going to, I'm going to read you a little bit from this article. And of course we'll have links in the show notes, which you can see directly from the device that you're listening to. I'm sure for most of you, um, this says a new study by the, by the linguist and tech entrepreneur, Kieran Snyder done for fortune.com found two differences between workplace performance reviews given to men and women across 248 reviews from 28 companies, managers, whether male or female gave female employees more negative feedback than they gave their male employees. Second, 76% of the negative feedback given to women included some kind of personality criticism, such as comments that the women was abrasive judgmental or strident 
only 2% of the men's critical reviews included negative personality comments. The study speaks to the impossible tightrope women must walk to do their jobs competently and to make tough decisions while simultaneously coming across as nice to everyone all the time. But the findings also point to something else. If a woman wants to do substantive work of any kind, she's going to be criticized with comments, not just about her work, but also about herself. She must develop a way of experiencing criticism that allows her to persevere in the face of it, unquote. Yeah. How about that? Oh, I've lived this. I already know this. Oh, yeah. So, you know, what, what, what's really intriguing to me about this whole thing, too, is the fact that it's, it, 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 it's not so much about the, the speaking your mind and, and what that kind of stuff, but the fact that you do get these, these commentaries about your personality in workplace, you know, workplace performance. And, and I don't think that it's about workplace either. I think that is something that also happens in, in, you know, whatever kind of endeavor that you have in the industry, whether it's, especially in new media, because people really do kind of tend to align with perhaps women who are doing work where they seem sweet and nice and cute and funny. But if you're doing something a little more abrasive, there tends to be a little bit more off put like, you know, Chelsea Handler, right? Yeah, I would say yes. If but her personality is her brand. True. She That's true. But she's gotten that. a lot of pushback Perfect. though, because you know, like she said, like she tells it like it is. We've talked about this in the past as well. You know, where she stands her ground, and she doesn't. You know, she's always done things her way, but it's not like she's not been. I guess you know what it what still gets me is the fact that it's a per it, that it becomes about a personality as opposed to her work as a comedian, which seems to me like people again we're going like to go Joan, back Joan Joan Rivers like too. Joan Rivers of course, but we're going back again to your to your guy Howard Stern. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. It's like if he gets criticized. It, it, sometimes it, it is because he's abrasive and, and stuff like that, but usually not as much as I feel happens with women. It's like there's a lot more criticism about personality for women than there is for men. Well, if you mm-hmm. ask him, I mean, he would say that people hate him. He would say yeah. what? Would you're say you're diving into your nuts. I'm done. Sorry. <laughs> people hate him. True. And, and he's the first person to say... People hate me and if you watch his movie that movie like you can you know even though it's a reenactment you can see people just call him an asshole right to his face all the time yeah um so i'm not sure he's the best that's true um a, a, a better example might be like jimmy kimmel i don't think people criticize jimmy kimmel as much as they did chelsea handler and i tried to watch an episode of jimmy kimmel like Oh God, maybe a month ago, something I'd never done before. And we we're like 20 minutes into it. And I was like, this guy is a jerk. Oh. He's just not funny. And he's a jerk. Like there's nothing funny about what he does at all. Huh. I don't think he's mean. I haven't really watched him very much. I don't really watch that much. Well, I don't have TV. Huh. Well, I used I... to watch him on the man show. You don't have TV. Well, I don't, I mean, I have a, you know, I have Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have YouTube. Yeah, oh, podcasts. YouTube, YouTube. <laughs> you can probably get a good idea of Jimmy Kimmel from YouTube. Yeah. But like, um, I thought I don't know. I thought Chelsea was funny. He's she's sarcastic. I think Jimmy just is like snipey, snarky, bitter, angry. It's different. 
Howard is disgusting because it's funny. Different. Yeah. You know? Okay. Um, so, but, but I think, you know, again, I think Jimmy Kimmel is, a, like I said, I think he's a jerk. And I think he doesn't get called out for being a jerk nearly as much as he should be if he's that jerky, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I feel that there tends to be a, a, at least for me, you know, whenever you put stuff out online, it just seems like we tend to, at least as women or for myself, my in was always because I was the nice one. Like that was uh-huh. always my in, you know, cause I, yeah. cause I was a nice one. It's like, it's and that's how I was, in. I was raised to be that, the nice one. It's like, don't, you don't, you know, you, you're just nice. And to my detriment, it, it, it didn't help me speak up because I, I always had that feeling of like, I, well, I have to be nice about this. I have to, you know, put up with this to some degree. And, you know, in most of the jobs that I had or any kind of endeavor that I put out there, it's, it was just because I happened to, that's how I won people over. I'm nicer. I'm so nice that you can't be mean to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's how I, I got my that tips. No, that's how I dealt with, you know, with people that were obnoxious at work. Um, I, I killed them with kindness, even if they were being just horrible to me. I was Listen, eight. if you're listening and you hate Elsie, write in so she can experience what it's like. Because apparently nobody ever has. Well, I think that part of it is the fact that I tried my best to, you know, to do that. And I, but, but again, you know, when I saw those iTunes reviews, though, Jess, if you like, honestly, you could go onto my iTunes page and you can go to the one star reviews and then you could see the people that hate me because they're awful. Yeah, they're mean. They're totally mean. And like I said, I don't know if I've told you this before, but even on YouTube, you know, I used to do videos on YouTube, like right around 2006, I was doing a lot more video production than I did now. I kind of, you know, I I just had more time to do video and people, it was awful. The things that they said to me on those comments and they were just so petty. Like, why don't you put some chapstick on your lips, girl? What's that got to do with anything? Right? Right. And I'm going, why are you focusing on my lips being dry? Like, what is that even? And how do you, what? You know, but it's weird. It's, isn't it? It's just bizarre. I have any negative reviews, but again, people are going to be nice to me, even if I'm not nice, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I just like, I just thinking that this kind of thing, especially in our culture right now, that one of the reasons that I do love podcasting is the fact that you can kind of, you can say these things, you can say them to some degree behind, behind something so that people can hear your voice, get to mm-hmm. know you. And then, you know, I've heard people be more honest in a podcast than I have in any other kind of form, any medium. Mm-hmm. Um, the lowest I have is a three-star review, but it was still favorably spoken about, which is weird. Well, well, still though, I mean, I have awful one-star reviews, so yeah, it's uh, yeah. But you have an older show, but I want to look at. Let me look at yours. Oh my god, they're meanies. They're meanies. Those people. The thing is, I've been fired a lot. Do people just come up to you and just say like you're fired? No, or but the feedback that I've been given really didn't have to do with my work. One time I was fired because I wasn't a people person. One time I was fired because I was too abrasive with the VPs. Oh, get out. I'm not kidding you. I'm seriously not kidding you. Your work is great, but the VPs think you're a little too abrasive. Oh, my gosh. 
And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> really? Because I thought I was being super nice. And the problem with giving feedback on a person's personality is especially if they don't realize – I mean, first of all, it's so subjective. Somebody could say that I'm abrasive. I'm sure people listening think I'm abrasive. But like, but like when you're being nice to someone, like for me – First of all, you must understand I would never disrespect someone of a higher authority of me. Not certainly not in a job, certainly not in a new job. So if I think I'm being as nice as humanly possible and I'm just being but if they ask my opinion and I either disagree or say, Well, what if we did it this way or what if we you know, I'm not sure it'll fit. I mean, is it because I disagreed? Did they not like my tone of voice? Is my voice too deep? Is my you know, did I blink too much? Like I literally, you literally have no idea what it is you do to affect the other person. And therefore it's not constructive criticism because you have no idea how to make it better. Too abrasive is like, is that mean too? I mean, I know what abrasive means, but like, what does it mean to you? Right. What and does then, it mean to her? Right. You know, does it, if I'm too loud, I'll whisper. What does it <laughs> mean? You know, like. It, yeah, I I don't under I don't understand. I don't understand how one could I don't know. It's it it's yeah. the hardest thing to do in terms of personality and also looks because you can't really fix some of the things like well at least in when in the entertainment industry that were like the feedback that I would get is that I wasn't Latina enough. And what does that yeah. mean? And I can't fix that. What? Yeah. That's the feedback that I got. So it's it was really frustrating for me, and so it you mean, would get angry, or I would get angry about the whole thing, and it you made just me need not- to end every sentence with amigo. Would <laughs> <laughs> that do it for you? Well, that I didn't look the part. It wasn't you know what I mean. What? That I didn't look Latina, look Latina enough because me. because of whatever they thought the look was right, and it was right. just like, do you not have? I mean, if you really like my work, you would put a wig on me, you would curl my hair, you could put contacts in my eyes and cover and make them brown, whatever you want. If you want me to do that, that would be great. It's just that there's no, and also as an actor, like, what do you say to that? Okay. Like you can't fix, you can't get better at that. You can't, right. You know, but what, and I know that when you're saying, talking to somebody like in, in terms of abrasiveness, it's the same thing. Like what, what is the, how do, how do I make that better? Or like, how do I work on that? Or is there a way to, to, I don't know, soften the edges, but you don't even know what to soften. You're not, but also you're not supposed to get a job based on your winning personality. I mean, like, right. yes, because let me tell you, I can interview for anything. I'm the best interviewer on the planet. I can interview for any job. I know exactly what to say. I know when to be funny. I know when to be smart. I can get any job. I'm not even kidding you because I have. And that's why I've been fired so many times probably is because – I get a job and it's not quite the right job and then I end up losing that job for whatever reason. But when I lose a job because of my personality is really the most baffling part because it's like, well, that's not what – yeah, I mean I know you liked me in the interview but like also I have these skills that you need here. Yeah. And why does it matter if I don't, you know, I don't know, if I don't seem to be a team player? What does that mean? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that well, was that's, a good one too. That's a good one too. Well, that I guess it's just because you, you don't. Did I not hug you enough? What? 
Well, maybe it's because you you think that you you only do things your way and or the highway. I guess you know. I don't know. It's all perceived. No one that's ever a, tells you. That's right. Would you do something a different way if you were at? Sure. What do I care? Right. Just feed my children. That's right. For the love of God, I don't care. I mean, there were so many years where I was just like, I will literally attempt to do a cartwheel because I can't do one in front of the building every day, all day. If you just feed my children. <laughs> Seriously, I don't, you know that's my entire incentive. Do it. You see you know? that? Yeah. So, so, and again, that's why I had to interview so much. I couldn't just not have a job. Oh. Had right. to. You but had you, to have a but, job. So, seventy six percent are told that it's all about their personality, and like it's. So, I think it's really hard to compare your average worker B with people who are celebrities. Only because um, even though I see a, a vast difference between women like on TV shows or characters or this or that, I feel like um, I feel like a worker be I feel like that part shouldn't come into play so much. And the fact that men aren't being dinged on their winning personalities, which believe me, I've come in contact with several. Um, pardon my door. My house is a disaster today, isn't it? <laughs> just get interrupted constantly. I hope I don't have to answer that. <laughs> lots of ding-dings, lots of ding-dings. You know what, Elsie? What? I think I might, only because she's not walking. Like, a lot of times people will come, leave something on the porch, ring the doorbell, and walk back, but she's not. Oh, so my God. I have to interrupt. Okay, no worries. show for the door. Hold on one second. I'm uh-huh. sorry. One second. I'm sorry, Elsie. That's Okay. <laughs> Lady. Oh, the male lady. Oh, the male lady. from me. Oh, my God. And I was like, where are you going? Wait. God, I can't go that fast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. So here's another part of, of this discussion that I think starts to play with the, the topic, which is why women don't listen to podcasts and, and follow my logic here. So here's a quote from that same article. There's another deeper factor that informs women's relationship to criticism and praise. For centuries, women couldn't protect their own safety through physical, legal, or financial means. We couldn't rely on the law if our safety was threatened. We couldn't use our own money to escape or safeguard ourselves and our children because we could not own property. Being likable or at least acceptable to stronger, more powerful others was one of our primary available survival strategies. For many women around the world, this is still a reality, but all women inherit the psychological legacy of that history. Disapproval, criticism, and the withdrawal of others' approval can feel so petrifying for us at times, life-threatening even, because of the millenniums it was, unquote. Which I think was really intriguing because I never thought about it from the perspective of of like that, you know, being nice and like being liked <laughs> was yeah. like a survival mechanism. I mean, back in the day. I think, yeah, I think I agree with everything in that paragraph except for one statement. Okay. The statement about us inheriting psychological legacy of that history. I was not born feeling like I had to survive on my personality. My mother might have felt that way, but I didn't feel that way. I think that that's starting, if it hasn't already broken, 
I definitely don't see my daughter trying to win any personality contests either. <laughs> but you know so, what, though? I think that you're you're right. But see, well, this gets us into a deeper discussion, but I feel that there are some of us that see that and some of us that don't. So that part of that, you know, that the psychology behind that or perhaps like a cultural mindset is is in fact sometimes broken and sometimes not. But it really requires somebody to actively break it. You know, there's a yeah. lot of things that I'm actively making sure I am I am watching in the way that I speak to my daughter. Because regardless, there are times when my mom comes out of my mouth or my grandmother yeah, comes out of my mouth. And you say late, you know, nice girls don't wear that to school. Or... Yeah. And, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that I mean... kind of stuff. So, or things that I've heard or, or, and it's, and it's interesting because the only reason I question some of that is after it comes out of my mouth and I'm like, why am I saying that? Oh, because my mom said that to me. And so then I go, oh, all right. Like I didn't even question that. It just came out. And so then I will have to go Mm -hmm. back and go, I'll have to find a different way of saying that because it's just, it's taken for granted that that's what, that's what stopped me from doing stuff or, you know, that kind of thing. You Uh, know, like I said, I agree with a lot of it. I know. And I, and you see watching again, cause this is my only frame of reference is television ever. But like when you watch period pieces and you see women be conniving based on their personality and, and look how many characters there are like that. I mean, like on sons of anarchy, like the mother, Really, you know, that's a perfect example of actually that could be a period piece. Right. I, I know you probably don't watch that, but it's about a motorcycle gang and, and the main character, Jax, and um, Peggy Bundy, uh-huh. the woman, is, is the mother. But I swear I'm going to I'm gonna have a first scarf in a minute. <laughs> she is making me so angry. Don't mess with a pregnant lady, you furry little... <laughs> God. Be quiet. Sorry. Oh, my God. Oh, now she's next to me. No wonder I couldn't find it. Um, so yeah. So um, so anyway. So this woman, you know, she is pow- completely powerless because her husband and her son were the, you know, they run the show of the motorcycle gang and the business and everything else. And the only thing, only power she ever has is when she's manipulating other people. Hmm. But she has no money of her own, no way of making money out of her own unless she's manipulating other people, helping the club. She bakes cake. She watches the kids. It's like her whole thing. But she's one of the most powerful characters because she's such a conniving, mm. manipulating personality. And so – and that's actually a modern example. But if you do look at, I don't know, uh, you, you know, any example of historical women, a lot of times that is all they have is the, their brain because they can't – They just like it says, can't trust the law, can't trust your husband sometimes – you certainly couldn't make enough money on your own. You definitely can't overpower wearing those corsets. You're not going to arm wrestle anybody out of their cash, right? So <laughs> so you kind of <laughs> – you have very few choices. Yeah. And being, and, and being a personality and, and relying on whether you were nice or not nice could work in your favor depending on who you are. True. Yeah. So, that, you know right? what? I hadn't I mean, thought about it in that yeah. respect. Yeah. So, and, and, yeah. No, go ahead. go ahead. Well, even, and so let's just take, okay, so, so we took like Sons of Anarchy, but let's go, I know I always come back to Joan Rivers. But there's another example, like being nice didn't work in her favor, but it sure did make her, you know, her, her mean 
made her a ton of money at a time when no other women were on stage being funny. None. Zero. It was her and flipping Johnny Carson and whoever else was. I mean, she started working in like 1960, way before Seinfeld and the guys on Saturday Night Live and whoever. Lauren, you know, just whoever. Rob Williams. She's way older than them. So, like, again, she relied on her personality and people called her abrasive and ugly. I mean, this, probably a lot of her plastic surgery BS was due to the fact that she was the only woman and people would joke about how ugly she was. Yeah. I mean, she was no beauty, but she certainly didn't, you didn't have to scream and run away, you know, but. <laughs> no, but, you're, but you know what? And that's like, it's so, it's such a challenge to beat that from your own head. You know, when somebody sure. continually criticizes you in those ways, you, you to some degree start believing it, even if it's into your subconscious, you might make certain choices in the way that you, you know, put a skirt on that you wouldn't in another time, or maybe don't wear a shirt because somebody said that, I don't know, it was inappropriate for whatever setting. I remember that I've stopped myself a couple of times from wearing something I wanted to wear because somebody, one person made a comment one time and I'm like, Oh, second guessing my own choice. And I thought, yeah. wow, that was like one person that made that comment and it's a fa- and they don't even matter in my life. Like, and it's affecting me at this moment. It's yeah. just, you know, so the reason that I kind of wanted to think about this sort of mindset and, and even getting back to the psychological legacy to some degree that, you know, that we, we may or may not need to address there are ways in which I believe, and I may be stepping on some poop here, but it just seems like there are times when we as women don't gravitate towards techno- te- technological advances faster, which is given from the fact of this like cu- cultural, um, like not being in the office and having like the cool computers faster, not being able to work with certain operating systems before, not perhaps having a cell phone before your husband did. If you know, in, in that day, like when cell phones were coming around, having your own Walkman, having, you know what I mean? It's like, there's, there's a lot of like little bits and pieces of maybe technology that boys or men are given before women are, or it's just, they're more available for that. Cause I remember my brother's got the video games. I didn't get the video games. Not that I wanted the video games, but you know, huh? This is weird. That's such an interesting perspective. I can't relate to that perspective, but it's really interesting. Is it? Well, see, because this is what I'm talking about now, because I'm, I'm trying to bring it all the way to over here. Uh, over to here, as in like the here the, to the, our relevant tor- yes, story. Yes, why topic. women don't listen to <laughs> podcast topic. So, so then that means that our way bothered. in which we interact with technology is based mm-hmm. upon the way that culture dictates that for us as women. So, the majority of the time that I've seen the most interaction from women, starting way back when I started to get into Twitter and all that stuff, was all that was not that wasn't even in Twitter very much. There were a handful of women now that I started to think about that I knew then, but the major uptake was when everybody started to go into Facebook and that's still the case. I mean, the conversation in Facebook for me involves a lot more conversations between women from a variety of different age, uh, age, you know, like my mom's on Facebook. I think that there's people's grandmothers on Facebook, like people, grandmothers, as in like grandmothers of people like us are on Facebook. And then there's that some teenagers are now not necessarily on Facebook. They're moving to other places, but it still seems like it's like a place the way that AOL used to be, you know, like AOL was like the internet. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> for some people. And it just seems to me that it, that feels like a comfortable place to be. And if you go like go into a different operate uh, a different social network or um, you go read a blog or go consume this content, it just for me from what I have seen from more women, they're a little bit more consumed in an easier place like Facebook, as opposed to going somewhere else to get content. Does that make sense? Yeah. Where, you know, having to go into iTunes to search for something in iTunes and download it to yours. It's like, isn't that for music? Like it just, it's not part of their everyday experience. It was for me. So I know that there are, I'm not talking about every woman and I'm not talking about, you know, there's a lot of women that were pioneering a lot of tech stuff and have been podcasting for many years and have done some, some incredible work in, in the podcast world. And there's so much education that goes around in terms of, of those those women that are doing that. But I'm talking about the mainstream, the, the ones that watch the news and that's how, that's all that they get, right? They don't know that there's other options or people who are watching The View a lot and that's how they get their, you know, conversation between women it's like you watch the view or the talk or you know whatever women getting together and talking about women's stuff and oprah and that's how people are influenced or that's what women are influenced to do i guarantee you if oprah said go listen to this podcast or download these podcast app or do that they, they, they will do it because it's coming from a peer and it's coming from something that they know I just think that it's not as easy to get to a woman and say like, hey, listen to this podcast. I don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Did I lose you? (laughs) No, no, you didn't lose me. I'm just sort of thinking philosophically about, I guess, what I've observed well, cause Mother see, this football. is the thing too, Jess, you're very tech advanced. Like you're in it. Like we're, I'm, we're preaching to the choir here. I mean, some of these women that are listening to our podcast, already, I know. like they're not what I'm talking about. That's but not they still no women who aren't and they could probably speak to why they aren't. And, and the only thing I can, I mean, like my sister, well, my sister had an aversion for a really long time to tech stuff. Um, it was probably psychological, but like, um, she's just getting over it now and she's perfectly willing and capable of doing anything she wants to in the technology world, but there's certain stuff. So there's a couple of different levels, right? So the first, so level one technophobe for women is, um, and, and anything I can't work falls into this category. I can't be bothered. Like my husband has a very, um, intricate, stereo. It has speakers. It has speakers on top of those speakers. It has one. I'm just staring, you know, my system has like, I see the DVD player and then I see the cable box. And like, those are the only two things I recognize. There's like at least three other boxes. I don't know what they do or why they're there. And I'm not that interested. They never turn on. I don't know why we need them. I'm not interested. And there's a million buttons. It's like using a mixer. I don't know what they're for. I don't know why I need it. I can't be bothered. And right. so I think similarly, a lot of women, you know, like they get an iPhone. And my dad is like this actually because he is one of the – growing up, I always had the newest tech crap. And it was because of him because he was in uh, video production. So we always had 
a video camera. Other families didn't have one. We always had newer TVs, newer stereo, newer remotes. But now that he's older, he's just like, I have an iPhone and I can text and use Facebook. And otherwise, I don't bother. He just doesn't bother. I mean, I think that's part of it. So that's level one. Level two is I think women are cuter if they don't know how to work technology. And I think women out there think I need to rely on a man for something or he'll leave. I'm not saying it's conscious, but I observe it a lot. Right. You know, like, oh, my husband does all my – these are the women who are like, my husband, even though he has a full-time job and doesn't know doodles about coaching, is my business partner. Because he may have, he and I make all the decisions. I have to approve every little purchase I make through my husband because I'm too cute and pretty to know what I'm talking about. Mm. And so that's level two. And, and I think those women are probably women who don't or aren't listening to podcasts because, oh, I don't know how to work my iPhone. I don't know. iTunes. I don't know. My husband does all that. I'm too cute and pretty to do that. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, there's part of it. There's that. And there's also just exactly the same person that doesn't really necessarily make that excuse, but just isn't interested. It's like they have their iPhone and just they busy. Just, they're just busy or not interested. Like they just want to make phone calls, text and go on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, and that's it. Much, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much, but that's what I meant by number one. Can't be bothered. Yeah. Okay. Well, then not, that's not interested. So how do we break through that? Because I'm sure that these women are just highly intelligent women who have plenty of things to say or to be inspired or are wanting more, but they are looking for it perhaps in Facebook and the interactions that they might possibly see there because, you know, media is thrown in your face all the time. It's, you know, the, every time you click onto a, bu- a BuzzFeed like link, all of a sudden you only see BuzzFeed links all over your face. And then you're done, you know, lost doing all kinds of quizzes and watching these random videos Yeah, <laughs> that are, you know, and it, it's like it just it, they suck that out of you with the podcasting thing. For me, it was it was an empowering thing because I was able to do it outside of the home. Like I was able to do it when I'm walking. I'm able to do it while I was, you know, biking, when I was shopping, when I was like, it just was my escape. And I found it because I had a curiosity to find it. Right. So how do we somehow make women more curious about knowing what's out there to to do stuff, uh, to just dive into finding something that they're interested about instead of having it be fed to them. But isn't that kind of like saying, how do we get women to read more books? <laughs> like if they have the time. Yeah. Okay. They, or, I mean, I mean, the reason I ask is just because at first I was going to say, is it similar to asking why women don't do more yoga or bike more? Because we all know the benefits and yet we either do it or we don't do it. We either enjoy it or we don't enjoy it. And the thing is, most people have tried biking and yoga, whereas, like, most people have not tried podcasting. And that's the key. The difference between every other activity in podcasting is women have – the women who aren't listening have never tried it. Whereas, like, everyone can read a book. You either have the time or you don't. You either feel like going to the bookstore or you don't. You either feel like finding something that's interesting to you or you don't. But with podcasting, I think there's another element, which is I don't know how, and I don't feel like learning. Because I'm sitting here thinking, let's ask them. Let me go on Facebook and ask women. If you don't, I only want women who don't listen to podcasts, tell me why you don't. And 
And then, but then I'm afraid, first of all, they'll go, I've always wanted to listen to yours, but I don't have the, I don't want to hear excuses. You know, I don't want to make people feel defensive either. I legitimately just want to know what prevents you from trying it. And maybe I should just ask, if I ask the question correctly, maybe I'll get the right answer. Yeah, I think that. What has prevented you from trying a podcast or listening to a podcast? Do you even know what a podcast is? Because that's the conversation that I want to have. I want to have a conversation with somebody that hasn't had, you know, that we know, we know people that, that they don't, don't know that like, I don't like to talk it's just to MP3. them. Yeah. Yeah. Just I to see that. if they, if they even know what that is on their phone or if they're interested and it really isn't about judgment again and especially women. And that's what I want to know, especially women. Is it because you just, honestly, you can't be bothered. Like you just would rather watch a YouTube video. Maybe that's, yeah. Maybe, I mean, I'm just trying to figure that out. Like maybe they are just more used to the YouTube ecosystem. Maybe they would rather, um, I don't know, listen to a CD. (laughs) I think most women will give you the excuse of busy, but that doesn't mean it's accurate. That's the thing. I don't even know if even asking them is worth the time because they'll just say, I'm too busy. I really want to, but I'm too busy to learn how to do it. But it's so easy. It's like, such bullshit. Right. But that's what I'm thinking about. Like, why, like, what's the deal here? So is Netflix too hard for you to figure out? Because it's almost (laughs) the same thing. You know? I mean, you seem to have no problem with Orange is the New Black, though. Well, yeah, because yeah, somehow you can't work your own phone. Mm-hmm. Because I'm it's sure about the right. same thing. You, you yeah, honestly, totally. it's, you, it's the same exact thing. It's, it's like you Netflix. download it. It's like Netflix. Yeah. So it's just intriguing for me in terms of the consumption because I think that there is some sort of, it might be a mind thing. It might be just the fact that it, it might feel harder than it is. But, and it's like, maybe it's because I have forgotten because I'm attached to my phone, right? My phone's on me like all the time. I'm like always with close to my phone to some degree. But there maybe there's these people who are, I mean who are these people who leave their phone like on the in the kitchen and then go about their day and forget about it all day yeah, long. Of course. You know? And then I guess type 3 are people who are literally have a psychological like aversion to technology. Okay. Yeah, then there's those. <laughs> and and they're either afraid and this is why they can't use Facebook or have a website or do anything else because they're just afraid they're going to mess it up. Yeah. And, and actually, some people are out there who should be afraid that aren't because they do mess it up every time. <laughs> but like, um, yeah. So and so, like in the in case of my sister, like my my mom. This is why I, I found your original story so hard to relate to because, like I said, I grew up having a lot of the latest stuff, and and my dad, I mean, from age ten, taught me how to use a video camera and how to oh. pan in and pan out, and so I. I've never really been afraid because it's always been there and we've always had it first. So like, you know, I always have been, I don't know, in some ways technologically more advanced than other people. But on the other hand, it's like, um, and then my mother, we got a computer when I was 12. My mom learned a lot about, it was an IBM PC junior. My mom learned a lot about it. And then we had always had windows machines and, um, she just, immediately knew their inner workings like a like an instinct almost like she could always fix it and she always knew what was wrong with them much more than my dad she just like understood them but then also my parents when I was in high school well I was right after my first year of college my parents got divorced 
and my mom spent a lot of time chatting with friends on the internet, male and not just dating stuff, but like friends that, that weren't judging her for being divorced mm. friends that were far away. And my sister was younger, you know, she was like 15, 16, she was younger than me at the time. And she was pissed off about it. Probably, you know, and she probably carried that teenage angst with her so that when everyone was using email and computers and everyone was doing it, she was just like, I'm definitely not touching that. That's, you know, like, yeah, like, like, in my, like in her head, it was like technology ruins lives. Right. <laughs> you, you, yeah. Cause that yeah. was so not my thing, you know, cause we, we also didn't like financially, we, we weren't able to have these fun technological things. Cause generally speaking, those things were more expensive, right. but you know, and I did get a Walkman and I did get like music kind of devices because my dad yeah. has always been a very music lover I kind of thing. I had a boombox, but yeah. Yeah. So it was like, you know, totally. I had that kind of stuff. And my grandfather was a big techno lover. He was one of those super highly advanced, like techno, like he just loved anything that was new. Like That's I remember cool. him, he had his a tiny little um, TV, like a, you know, those like really small TVs that yeah. he had with him. And he used to watch that in the, in the seventies in the late seventies, like, early 80s which was not when people were having these tiny little tvs like he loved he would love to have had like an iphone watch like to watch tv kind of thing i mean he was on a computer till he passed away um very late into his into his life but he was always into that stuff so i i, I observed it but i was not you know we didn't have a computer when i was growing up i until like I, I think I was in high school or I might've even been in college when my parents got a computer. So I'm, I would have already been out of the house when they got their first computer. And the first time that I remember being on a computer was in college in the computer place where I had to go sit there and write my, you know, essays and whatnot. And the first time I had my own computer was like in 2000. That was like mm -hmm. the first time that I bought my own laptop. Interesting. So I, you know, and I was afraid of it. That's, you know, which is, I didn't even know. I think it was even later than that. It might've been like, I don't know. But anyway, it was, a, and I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know what the internet was. I had no idea what browsers, I mean, I had no clue about anything whatsoever. So, and then I remember hearing people talking about blogging. Like I, I was at um, the restaurant that I worked in and one of my managers started a blog and, and she said, I had a blog and I'm like, what the hell is a blog? And she was like, oh, you just write online and you know, there's article, you just write stuff and they come out and it's published for everybody to read. And I was thinking like, why would you want that? Like who, yeah. who does that? It seemed to me like it was a journal. And I'm like, if I'm going to be writing on my journal, I'll, that's the whole point. I'm going to put her on my, underneath my blanket <laughs> Not for everybody to read. Why? So, yeah. and it was actually, it was podcasting that got me out of that whole mindset and it was late in my life. So I had a completely different take on everything. I'm sure if I would have been, in, um, I don't know, in my, or in, in college, I would have more likely than not, uh, been very open to podcasts at that time because I was listening to the college radio station. I loved everything that was sort of avant-garde and, and in the fringes, but I, I don't know. It, I, technology was just not part of who I was. Like I didn't, I was, I don't, I never had it as part of me. So it was a, there was a lot of fear involved with everything. I remember even getting the microphone, not knowing where to stick the microphone. I didn't know who to ask, like, how do you record it? And so pod, 
a podcaster specifically, one man, Victor Cajal, when I was listening to his podcast, he talked me through this in a really kind way where I didn't make, I felt so kind of inept and he helped me through it so that I could trust that I could do it. He just totally helped me. He, he helped me how to search. You know, when I had a problem, I was always emailing him and he's like, this is how you do it. You search in Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you read the support articles and you do what they say. <laughs> so. Yeah. And there's no way, I mean, yeah, but I mean, and I've spent a lot of my career telling people, look, it's nothing's permanent. If you screw it up, you can always just go back, undo, make changes, delete. It's never permanent. It's not like on paper where you like, it's out there forever and mm-hmm. everyone will judge you and make fun of you for doing it wrong. Yep. So, but that's part of the fear, I think, is that not only will they not do it correctly, but that it will be permanently left on their record, like a principal, you know, like a disciplinary record. Like That's right. They'll never get into college because they can't Google what, I don't know, how to use your iPhone, I guess. I think that there is a an underlying thing from what I, I see here as to how to get more women to listen to podcasts. And I think that this might work better than anything else is to, as a woman, to talk to another woman and tell them to listen to a specific podcast, to just share that. Because I, I know that there's a lot of things that I've done and that have influenced me in terms of having female friends that I try certain makeup, I'll, I'll try a brand of clothes, I'll go to a specific store to buy something or I'll buy a book based on their opinions. I feel that that one-on-one kind of insight into something will really get a woman to go out of her way to go get it. Like there's been stuff that I've done that I, I would have never in a million years gone into a store and bought a specific thing if it wasn't for another one of my friends saying like, no, this is like the best pair of jeans, seriously. So, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, sure. Cause I trust them. Yeah. So there's something about that as opposed to just advertising or, or share and also taking into consideration that you can't just share like, here's a new podcast episode. Like, what does that mean? What is a podcast episode? Like, how can we make it so that it seems like super, like this conversation, like the way that you post some stuff, like this conversation I had with so-and-so is really great because of you know, X, Y, and Z, it's not talking about a podcast episode, but that's what it is. But you're talking about this interview or whatever. Yeah. So that it's more about the content that they can expect as opposed to the thing it is, because that immediately causes somebody to not want to step into it. If I was like, this is a podcast episode. Yeah. Same with blog posts. So true. Anytime I see read my latest blog posts, I roll my eyes. Yeah. But if you tell me you wrote about you know, today I, I wrote this in-depth look at women and, you know, gender inequality in the workplace or whatever, mm-hmm. then I'd be like, all right, that sounds interesting. Yep. But your blog post, like just saying my blog post. It just no makes thanks. you not want to, yeah, it just Over somehow, it. what, what does yeah. that mean? So I feel that maybe yeah. the language or maybe even testing that kind of stuff and I, I would I would be really intrigued to find out what you ladies think about this conversation and, and you know, I may be wrong about maybe the overall cultural generalization of maybe not offering technology to girls before or, and I'm talking about 
the inner work. Cause you know, when I saw a commercial, I forgot what it was for. And it was, it was, it was about a little girl that was super intrigued and she kept on wanting to play with dirt and she kept on trying to, you know, break some toys apart or she had like, there were all these little things where she was just being herself and she was just intrigued. And every time she did something like that, one of her parents would go like, don't, you're going to get your dress dirty. No, no, no. You got to get your hair out of your face. No, don't touch that. Yeah. And so when you were doing That's that kind of stuff, like you see the escalation of this commercial and the end, it's about the fact that little girls aren't interested in, in all the sciences and the math and all that kind of stuff. And it's not because they're not interested. It's because we yeah, don't allow choice. them. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just something to think about to, to kind of shift a perspective, perhaps see things in a new way. I don't know. Um, Instead of relying on existing data of why don't women listen to podcasts, right? Maybe take the podcast out of the equation and just share your work and just help to get the actual work to be heard. Because the truth is, like, you don't have to listen in iTunes. You just go to the website and hit play. Yeah. True. It's a big deal. But yeah. um, you'd be surprised that how many people don't really know how to do that either, <laughs> No, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so that's kind of crazy. It does make me sad. Yeah, that would be, that. yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyway. I think that we've covered this one uh, enough for today, but, you know, maybe at some point, because I know that you ladies are very interested in finding more data about women listening in podcasts, that listen too. to podcasts, and I have been searching for that, so if I do I come... I listen to apply, uh, <laughs> supply it. Well, you know, this is a whole different thing, because... This is about listeners. This is about, there's, this is a whole other, it's like Edison should do that. I think I, I left You're a right. message. You shouldn't do it. I left a message. Really tell us about the podcasters. Really. Yeah, exactly. We would, we'd have like information about the women who are podcasting, but right. we don't have any information about listenership. But I know Edison had, um, I think a while ago we posted this in the group. Somebody else posted it in this group, something about like podcasting is more popular than you would think or something like that. And I followed this guy's blog post to his personal blog post. And I requested him who works at Edison to do some more work on women's stuff. So I think that maybe if we can go over to Edison and, and, and comment and say like, what about women? What about women specific podcast listeners? Because they have like people who are listening to podcasts, the radio and all that stuff, but there's no gender uh, stuff Split. involved. Yeah. So yeah, I would definitely want to know for sure. Yeah, but if you have any information or any insight in terms of why women don't listen to podcasts or why women, well, I I also know when I know why I listen to podcasts is the easiest thing for me to do. It's the least I can do. I can multitask. Yeah, I can tell you why they do. Yeah, exactly. There's so know. many great reasons why women do listen to podcasts. But also, if you are a podcaster, I mean, often they'll tell you. True. I'll tell you why they listen. Thank you. I listen while I'm packing. I listen while I'm on the plane. I listen while I'm in the shower. I listen while I'm cooking. I listen while I'm in the car. I hear that all the time. I hear I hear it all the time as well. I have like these amazing people who who out of the blue come in and, and tell me, you know, because I have I, now uh, for my podcast and I feel so awfully guilty. I haven't published an episode now in over a year and I'm still getting people going, thank you so much for your podcast. I've been using it because, nice. and they tell me why yeah. and how great it is for them to have it. So it's, it's a pretty incredible piece of, 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 uh, just like a, another educational piece, a way to connect with community. There's so much goodness. 
I just wish that it yeah, was a... Yeah, you probably hear every medical problem and how you're solving it. I hear thanks for the laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I do hear stuff like that. I do hear that. Except what's, what's so nice hard, stuff. though, is well, like sometimes I'll get a random email of somebody going like, I have sciatica. What do you, which yoga pose should I do? And I'm like, I don't know you. I don't know your body. I don't Start know your practice. Your doctor, I know yo. you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to help you. I need to see you. People hire me for lots of money for me to do that yeah. for them. But you can't see them on Skype, can you? No. I mean, I think, you know, that's yeah. one of the reasons. Like, I had Jason Van Orden. He, like, you know, we talked. He's, like, a, a, a mentor of mine, I guess, in, in a virtual sense. And I just met him, and I was talking to him about, you know, the yoga business and how it's going because he's really intrigued about it as well, and he, he likes my clients um, they were all CEOs and he's like, why not? Why don't you just focus on, on like higher end private clients and all this stuff and online. And to be honest, it's really hard to do my work online. It really is hard because it's all super intuitive and very energetic. And I do a lot of adjustments and a lot of physical stuff. And I can't see that when I'm on Skype. Yeah, of course not. I can't. So that's why I don't do it. No, but, um, all right, dude, we are done with this one. Ladies, please send us your feedback over at feedback at shepodcast.com. And we would love to hear your thoughts on why people or women don't listen to podcasts. Also, please awesome. comment in the group, shepodcast.com forward slash group. It's a huge Facebook group, almost 700 women, all podcasters, which is awesome and amazing, I think. Um, and what else? And go to shootpodcast.com. And if you are listening and you have a show and you're not in the directory, shame on you, man. Shame on directory. you. Put yourself in the directory. Right now, lady. Shepodcast.com. In fact, I'm going to put that on right at the top of our show notes. So right at the top of the show yeah. notes, just click through shootpodcast.com and then go to the directory and submit your show if you're not part already and if you're a woman. So. Yes. It's on the homepage. It's a giant banner in the middle. I don't know why, but people always ask me where it is. Like, I know, right? I think people are just like, thinking that the they're going to see the exact button in the middle. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe we should consider making like a landing page of just like, this is the directory. Submit your name here. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, because you know what? I send people the directory now when I have get like some of my friends are like, what podcast should I go on? Oh. I just send them to the directory. And also for women who have shows that want guests or you want to interview podcast. Some of the podcasters in there are amazing. Yeah. You there's the so many. Your also, mind will be blown. Yeah. 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 So not to do a little commercial, but there you have it. There you have it. Right on. Yeah. All right, then. I think we're all done. <laughs> mm. Well, thanks guys for listening. Okay. Bye. The rest of 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 the rest of